and welcome to Limitless Hairdresser. I am your host, Kelly Mason, and I am super pumped today to have on a special guest, Andy Scarborough. She is the owner of Crown Works, Crystal Combs, and other magical offerings. And she is also one of the co-owners of Frame Salon in California. I stumbled upon Andy one day on social media and instantly just fell in love with her and everything that she's about. She is so knowledgeable and you can tell that by reading her Instagram posts and anything on her website really. And she has done some really cool stuff like studying shamanism, mystical Christianity, dream interpretation, intuitive mentorship, breath work, sound healing, uh, native rituals, and just so many other things. Every time I talk to her, she's on to some new adventure expanding her mind and just living life to the fullest. She's just really, really cool chick. She's actually really a huge part of the reason that I even started Limitless Hairdresser and really committed to doing this podcast. I was going to buy a crystal comb on her website, which I have, the Amethyst Comb, and I'm obsessed with it. You should totally get one. And I saw that she does one-on-one sessions for $222, which I think is just a magical little number. And I thought, what the heck? I just felt moved to send her a message and give her a call. I just knew that I had to talk to her and I needed to talk to her beyond, you know, messaging back and forth on Instagram. So I set up a session with her and we talked for a long time and it was just the most amazing thing that I've ever experienced with another hairdresser. I'm not even kidding you. And I was going through some things going, okay, well, what's next for me? What am I going to do? And Andy, I kid you not, made me feel like, Kelly, you can do anything that you want and you need to listen to what you feel moved and called to do. What is that? And I said, I need to share my story. I need to share other people's stories. We have to all come together and create this community that's open and free and progressive and helps a movement to move in a positive and loving and nurturing environment in the beauty industry. And, you know, after this conversation, I was like, okay, so now I have to do that. (laughs) And yeah, voila, Limitless Hairdresser Podcast, here it is. So without further ado, Miss Andy Scarborough You guys are going to love her. Plug in, tune out, check out this next hour of amazing conversation with Andy. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Welcome, Andy, to the Limitless Hairdresser podcast. This is so exciting. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to be doing this with you. I just, you, you are such a star. You're the raddest, Kelly. Oh my gosh, stop. You're making me blush. But seriously, this is so amazing how, how I found you in the first place, probably hashtag searching crystals or something like that (laughs) down the rabbit hole and found you. And uh, I just think it's so cool to have come full circle. And now we are here and you are my very first conversation on the uh, podcast. So I'm so honored. I'm so honored. I mean, it's funny, you know, like there's so much there's so much negative talk about social media, but I have found it so incredible as a connection to stylists like you and there's so many other of us out there doing, 
you know, this deeper kind of work. And we're all hiding in our little screens. Um, and, and that's where we can find each other. So thank God us for hashtags. Seriously, thank God us for hashtags. That's amazing. That needs to be a hashtag. So I am super excited to get to ask you some burning questions that I think we all have. Maybe some of us who are the outliers who follow you all the time and love your poetry and your message and all of your amazing tools, like the amethyst comb, crystal comb I was using right before this, actually. Got myself all prepared and opened. Um, so let's just dive into it. We're going to ask you some some uh, questions, okay? Yeah, yeah, shoot. I mean, if I'm sharing my innermost poetry <laughs> on social media, I'm pretty sure you can ask me anything. Awesome. Okay, so a lot of your work goes way beyond the haircut and way beyond balayage and way beyond a consultation. It's this deeper work that you're doing intimately with your clients that I, I find fascinating. And I'm like, we want more. I want more. And I think we're all a little bit curious. When did you start to realize that there was something more to this connection and something more to this relationship with you and the person sitting in your chair beyond just the technical skills that you were delivering to them? I think we're a little curious about that because I think we're all kind of on that journey at this point uh, as the industry is evolving. And I'd love to hear your journey on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a great question. It's one of those things that comes up frequently, like when when did you discover your magic? Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's such a game of remembering rather than learning. And I think integration really is the word for me, like integration over balance. I think especially as women, as entrepreneurs, um, there's this whole idea of seeking balance. And as an industry that I mean, let's let's be candid, Kelly, like I don't I don't know about you, but a hairdresser wasn't an overly respected career choice um, in my house growing up. And it was, you know, it was a fun gig, but sort of something that you you just do. And the fact that I thumbed my nose at a at a full ride to the University of um, Texas in Austin in order to drive my pickup truck to LA like a country Western song and be a hairdresser was crazy. Um, and so there was, there's always been this kind of like fighting for legitimacy, I think that, that happens amongst, amongst people in our industry. Like we want to be taken seriously. And so there's these incredible educational, machines that have come to really uplift and give guidelines for what um, what's possible, what's possible in earning, what's possible in presentation, what's possible in showmanship um, and leadership and, and really setting the bar high for elevating the industry. Um, what I found in that is that there was almost a pendulum swing into this wildly, um, well, not wildly, like overly tame polished professionalism that, I mean, the first salon that I was in in LA, we weren't allowed to sit, right? Like you weren't allowed to eat on the floor. You don't talk about your personal life. Like everything is that's there to be in servitude towards somebody else's beauty experience. 
and you don't have bad days, you don't have lunch breaks, you work through, like there's this hyper compartmentalization of your humanity, really. Um, and I had some experiences with that and, and frankly, excelling at it. Like I was climbing the ladder, girl. I was real good <laughs> at putting my humanity in a effing box and locking it up. Like I could be on for 14 or 16 hours a day. Um, and everybody loved how, you know, I was always optimistic and everything was always so great. And I was the salon diplomat and excelling in education. And then I had a really um, sudden loss in my life. My father died unexpectedly um, in 2010. And it was, I mean, just the very definition of a tragedy. It was a suicide. Um, it's actually eight years this month, which is wild. Wow. And it cracked me open. Like all of a sudden, all of all of my ability to box up my emotions or my, my humanity, my realness, my process, um, just fell, I mean, fell the fuck apart. Pardon my language. I don't know if you want to edit hey, that out. This but... is a safe place. We can say whatever we want here. There are no rules. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it literally shattered the whole thing. And I think, oh, there's a great quote. I forget who says it right now, but there, um, mostly it is loss, which shows us the value of things. Mm. And all of a sudden, everything became so precious. Mm -hmm. And I mean, literally, Kelly, like food tasted better. And like every conversation felt so meaningful. Um and I mean, in, in hindsight, right, like this is quite literally, that's the wake up call. Like when yeah. people talk about a rapid awakening or a rude awakening, as mm -hmm. it were, um, that's what they mean. Like suddenly the veil just drops. Um, Do you think that because this is such an amazing story that you're sharing with us of something that happened very dramatically and, and became pivotal. Do you think that since you know your, your your explanation of us be kind of coming these robots somewhat we know the tools we need to do we have the systems we implement everything strategically as we're t you know trained but we don't have that human element to it where we're able to let our guard down we're able to open up our hearts and we're able to connect on that deeper level do you think that might be why this is just me hypothesizing here <laughs> hairdressers sometimes experience a lot of burnout and they get disinterested in doing hair anymore and, and experience a lot of um, anxiety and, and depression and things like that because they're just playing a role instead of being who they One, really want to be. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Um, and it's interesting too, Neil Gaiman, my favorite author, um, does this great speech it's a college commencement speech called make good art I totally recommend it it's like 20 minutes of your life you will be so happy you spend I literally watch it like once a month um and he's got this bit in there where he talks about the problems of success and I think especially in our industry that's not something that we talk a lot about we don't talk a lot about 
the problems of success. It's how to build your business, how to get busier, how to double book, how to work with an assistant, how to charge more, how to, but nobody ever, like there's no breaks. There's no, there's, there's no downshift that we're ever. And so it's this like exponential acceleration that can only lead to burnout. Um, and I think that there's this illusion of balance, like work hard, play hard, right? We're going to party in Vegas and then go do some hardcore, you know, hair show at the same time. It's not, it's not a balance. I think that that's, that's the illusion. I think it's about an integration. Mm. Um, and that's really been the, the core of my own process and definitely at the core of the, the Crownworks brand. Um, so yeah, I think that the, I think the burnout factor that there's not room for the humanity that actually is the piece that made us successful to begin with. Mm -hmm. So Neil Gaiman says in that speech, he said, one of the problems with success is that when you're good at something, the world conspires to stop you doing the thing you're good at. Um, oh my gosh. That's and amazing. I, isn't that great? Isn't that so great? Good. And he talked he talks about, you know, being a writer and waking up one day and realizing that he had become somebody who professionally answered emails. Um, oh. And I think as a colorist, you know, I worked in a salon where for a time I had two assistants and I was booked on the 15 minute and would see sometimes three clients in an hour. Um, and there's no, there's no room for creativity at that point, what you are at, at your, it's like Jiffy Lou Boyle change. <laughs> yeah. Like unicorn hair. Cause we got a book literally three months out for that. Right. And so constantly processing that disappointment and let down and also stifling somebody else's expression. Like I really became acutely aware of where people trusted me because I sold them on my humanity as I was building my business. I've got clients I've been seeing my entire career for 16 years now um, where literally I was posting ads on Craigslist like in the musician section, like covertly advertising um, for creative colors and you know customized styles. So I sold them, I enrolled them on my humanity and in reward for their loyalty, I became so successful with air quotes that I no longer had time to offer them or the capacity to offer them the humanity that I initially sold them on. That's such a great way to put it. And it's, it's kind of leading me into this thought process that I've heard throughout my, my time in the industry that a lot of business seminars I've been to that are teaching hairdressers how to grow their business, how to become successful, how to make more money. A lot of the foundation of that and some of the air quoting rules are your clients are not your friends. You don't share your personal information with them and you keep it strictly professional. And I know that that's probably not the way that you're operating today behind the chair. And can you give us a little insight on how to keep it professional, but be able to cultivate that connection and that relationship that's way deeper and will create that sense of humanity that they're looking for and that, that compassion that they're looking for within the experience? 
I think that's a great point. And yeah, thank you. I got, I mean, I got really similar advice. One of my, excuse me, one of my earliest business coaches said point blank, they don't remember, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. Um, And I think that everything is, I mean, everything is a reflection on the outside of our inner reality. And when I'm willing to skip lunch or stay an extra two hours or triple book myself in order to make money, I don't really care about me. So I think the the piece around keeping it professional is more, I'd, I'd really like to sub out the word professional for clean. I think keeping it clean mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense. Um, because then it really comes down to a matter of how, how clean am I keeping my own container? How much am I doing my own work? How much am I actually giving my time, myself time to process whatever upset or anger, you know, what, what am I doing in my own self-care practices so that when I sit down with somebody and, you know, from an energetic perspective, like, even through chakra systems and and I could go this is a whole that's a whole nother podcast but we plug into people and it's like we light up and like two phones that are airdropping content back and forth you know I'm going to start to download into somebody and if I haven't emptied my hard drive into my journal into a ritual bath into a meditation into a dance class then they're just going to get all of my, you know, flotsam and jetsam that's like floating up there as mm. soon as I engage somebody. So the the way to keep it, air quotes, professional or clean is to do your own work, like have your own process, you know, any more than we could hold space with integrity for somebody behind the chair, um, with like three little fried cotton candy hairs on our head and try to sell them a conditioning treatment, right? Like we have to, we have to practice what we preach. We have to walk that talk. And if you've never used a styling product, you're not going to be able to sell it with authority or authenticity. And if you want to hold space and have a connection with somebody, you have to first have that connection with yourself. Oh my gosh. That's so good. We should be paying for this. <laughs> this is amazing. So another thing that I've heard, and I'm just kind of, you know, pulling this out there just from things that I've, I think that a lot of hairdressers collectively have been conditioned to think and believe and feel <clears throat> is that it's not about you. It's about your client. It's not about you. It's about the salon. It's not about you. It's about the, you know, Every, every X, Y, and D, everything else. It's not about you. And I, I mean, to some extent, we are service providers and we're giving and we are serving people. So yes, it is about them. But I think that in the midst of the things, in the midst of all the things that got a little bit misconstrued, meaning hairdressers thinking we have to give, it's all about them, it's not about me, like this selfless thing. And in return, aren't giving enough to themselves. And when they do, they feel guilt. Like they are supposed to be giving, giving, giving and not receiving. And so what are some things that you, 
maybe some advice that you could give guidance on how to take care of yourself while still being able to give. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. That's right. That's right. I mean, ideally it needs to be both. Mm -hmm. You know, you cannot, you cannot give, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that, I think that you're right. There has been kind of some misinformation. It's sort of like a game of telephone, right? Where maybe something was well-intended in, in saying, make it about your clients, make it about the salon. Really, there's this whole idea of servant leadership, you know, in being service-minded. And you and I both, and we've talked before about our spiritual practices, and when things get really sideways for me, the thing that I know I need to do is find a way to be of service because it just shifts the perspective on the lens, you know, mm-hmm. to when when we kind of get in an inward spiral, um that can feel a little like thought wise cannibalistic, uh, to be of service, just, just shifts it outside ourselves and widens that lens so that we have a better perspective of what the big picture really is. But there is a big difference between service and servitude. Mm. And I think that there to be of service, to give from your overflow, to give from a place of fullness and love versus feeling like there's a dependence on my giving in order to receive what I need to survive. That's not service, that's servitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are a few components in the industry that feed that. Um, First, I think that there's a huge approval addiction piece, um, a scarcity mentality, and a belief system that's a business that's entirely based on fear. Um, Whether it's being available more hours in the salon or having to have social media in order to have a competitive edge, like the competition fear piece, um, is predatory. And even the way the fashion world moves trends every year, you know, there's always this idea that if you're not if you're not hustling to stay ahead of the curve, you're going to fall behind or be left behind. And so the ideas of taking a break um, or changing the way you book in the salon or the hours that you work feels like not only am I losing, but now I'm going to be left behind and, and be left out. Kind of like FOMO. Totally. Major FOMO. But only the entire fashion and beauty industry are driving that four times a year. You know, Um, it always it's always funny to me when a client comes in and says, well, what's in style this season? And I'm like, well, what's in style this season is is what grew out from last season. You know, if blunt bangs were in in the spring, <laughs> guess what's happening this summer? News. It's all about sweepy bangs. Because that's where they go. Um, and funny. so really, like, dismantling that and the need, I mean, it's sort of consumerism, right? The need that there there has to be something new in order to feel whole or feel better. Um, truly, one of the biggest compliments for me is when I have a client who's maintained the same look for a number of years. That, to me, feels like we have her visual transmission of who she is dialed in. And she feels like herself. She's getting seen the way she wants to be seen. We've got something that fits her lifestyle. It's fine. Like, it's okay. Good enough is good enough. Like, it's fine. 
Um, but we were in an industry that there's, there is a major FOMO component to it. The other piece that I think is, and I, I don't use this word lightly, but when I use it, I fucking mean it, um, is a little predatory. Mm. And there, there is, <clears throat> I was reading an article, it was a Forbes article recently about, um, how companies look to hire, um, insecure overachievers. Wow. Because those will be the best employees, right? They're going to fall in line. They're going to do as they're told and they're going to work really, really hard and be grateful for it. It's like, and it really, it chapped my ass lady. It really made me very (laughs) upset. Um, yeah, I mean, I think most, most stylists joined the industry because they felt like black sheep in their family they had insecurity about their own um, belonging or grappled with their own difficult hair texture. Um, and now they've been enrolled in something that says, you too can be successful if you just take this one more class, if you get this one more certification, if you're doing this one more trend, if you bring on this one more product. Yeah, there's a component of the beauty industry that's really banking on insecurity. I would have to agree. I would definitely have to agree with that. And I haven't really thought about it from that perspective. But the one thing that I do hear a lot from hairdressers is this insecurity coming from comparison. And I mean, I started doing hair, gosh, it's been almost 12 years, 12 years ago. Oh, gosh, getting old. Um, And there wasn't as much of that, I, f- I felt. But I mean, I live in a small town, so I was really competing against myself and trying to just be the best I could so that I would feel more secure with my, my clients in my chair. But now it's so different because we spend so much time and I, I tuned out from my phone pretty much for two weeks when I was in Thailand. And it was so strange, the feeling that I had, this comp- pulsive feeling of reaching for my phone to like scroll reach and scroll it was like an addiction to compare myself to what everybody else was doing if I was missing out on you know something that happened um you know what's this person doing what's that person doing and it affects us in a very strange way because I I feel like two things happen we become maybe motivated might be a good word, motivated to work harder and do more. And also on the flip side of it, we become insecure and self-doubt and low self-confidence. And then we mask that with this false self-confidence that appears on the internet as real. I don't know if that all made sense, but it's like this vicious cycle of trying to combat it and I, I, I'm not 100% of a solution because I, I mean, I myself, I'm going to be completely honest, have have dealt with that to some extent, trying to build my own business, trying to build my yeah. own brand. Me and too. Try, trying to find my own voice and stay true to that without looking at a number, without looking at who's getting what gig, who's going to whose class is, you know, all of these things that kind of go into it. And I know, you know, this universal law, if we just kind of surrender into 
the fact that we're going to be taken care of as long as we come from our heart and we do the things that feel right to us, there's still this programming, this conditioning that we've absorbed, maybe even subconsciously, that's driving us to be addicted to looking at it and comparing. So I don't have well, a solution. Maybe you've got some insight. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's we started off talking about like it's definitely there's some shadow to it. And the shadow of comparison and also the benefit of inspiration and motivation. For me, it's like you can have the same choice. You can be inspired to work harder or innovate or expand your business or push yourself artistically. And it may look the same in that final little two by two shot, or it can, but it, but it can feel different on, on the inside. You know, is it, is it really coming from a place of, wow, I saw that. And now I feel more free to express this thing that I thought was totally weird and, and unacceptable, but now I feel like I have permission or is it, oh God, I have to produce this now you know, because otherwise I'm going to be left out, left behind. There's some real, there's some real, um, like neurobiology around the way a lot of this works just for fun. At the first part of this year, I sat in on a neuroscience class because, you know, I'm single. Because I don't like, know that's why. <laughs> what you should do on the weekend. I love it. <laughs> right. Um, but it was fascinating. And just the way that we, um, that that the brain can take in information in a way that feels safe. Like we can only really remember, I think between 150 and 250 faces, like in a primal part of our DNA, that's what our tribe is really meant to cap at. We can't memorize the facial through through more people than that. Um, there's some of like the Quaker face when their when their community gets to be, I think at 200 or 250, they split and start too, because that's how you remain intimate and connected. And so it's interesting. There was a whole conversation around um, some of the, the prevalence or apparent increases in things like autism, which are really about emotional processing without looking at a face. Um, and the addiction to social media and how the social media addiction may be trying to bridge the gap neurologically between us being able to get information that we need, but also safely manage the amount of people that we interact with, um, which I thought was really fascinating. And I also think that that's why at this point, the most valuable commodity that we as stylists have is the ability to touch people without gloves and sit with them eye to eye in a place where we can hold comfortable silence with someone and create true intimacy in a safe way that they may not be receiving anywhere else in their life. That is so true. I, I think that sometimes our perspective of what we're actually doing, if we slow it down and look at it like that, how much power and influence we have on other people. I think you made a comment one time and he said, I think that we're the sleeper cell 
What did you say? Something about beans. Oh, yeah. Sleepers, <laughs> like sleeper cell of ninja healers. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, because I think that there's, um, I mean, the other piece of that, that like why people are drawn to the industry, you know, there's an archetype in the, in the Jungian archetypes. He talks a lot about the wounded healer. Um, and this idea, do you know, do you know the story of the wounded healer? I think you told me that I was one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we all are. I think we all are. So this, this, this dude, Chiron gets a mortal wound. Um, and he basically goes, it's really toxic and contagious. Um, and so he goes and, and shuts himself in a cave and figures either I'm going to figure out how to heal myself or I'm going to die, but either way, I'm not going to make this problem worse for anybody. Mm. Uh, and while he's in the cave, he figures out how to heal himself. And once he discovered how to heal himself, his wound actually became the medicine that he had to offer other people that had received that same wound. So for me, I really look as, as hairdressers as the wounded healers, that as we start to do our own work, reconcile our own needs, um, self-care practices, and feelings around approval addiction or FOMO, or even our own definition of beauty, um, we then have the ability to transmit that as permission for every person that sits in our chair to be more themselves without the conditioning of, you know, magazines or social media or anything else. We get to be the one person that, that says, I'm okay as I am, and you can be too. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's kind of like turning our pain into our power That's con right. concept. Uh, because kind of going back to what you said earlier, which is so interesting that you said this, that you, did you graduate from the University of Texas? I didn't. I never went. I thumbed my nose at the whole. Oh, you didn't go. No, I left Texas when I was seventeen. Oh Kelly, my gosh! That's I thought you meant. I thought you said that you did. I just didn't remember that correctly because I have had this vision. I, I want to be doing some keynotes coming up. Just gonna throw that out there if anybody wants me. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to ask the audience that: How many of you went to college? It didn't work out. How many of you never went at all? And how many of you went? and actually, you know, went through the whole thing, because I know that there are always like those very few people. But it's this common connection that we all, you know, tr we're, we're like little experimenters, hairdressers, we're like, let's try this, let's try that. And somehow we all kind of sunk into this, this collective career path of becoming a hairdresser. And I'm not sure where I was going with this. But what I feel like is it's there's something there that connects all of us. And there's something there that, you know, even if you're a doctor or a firefighter or a lawyer or an accountant, whatever career path, there's something there, I feel like, innately in us. And maybe that one thing is, you know, maybe we're all archetypes of wounded healers. I'm not sure. But there's this essence that, you know, when we take everything away and we strip it all away, and maybe some, some of you who are listening to this, might feel like, yes, yes, this is me, this is me. I think it's because there is something in us that's all very similar. And I started to dissect it and started to 
the word that came up kept coming up to me was empathy. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but the this feeling that we have the ability to feel people on a different level, or, or maybe we take the time to even consider it. Empathy is, is so confusing sometimes because you don't want to take on everybody's shit, but you want to be able to relate to them and feel connected in this certain way. And so I feel like something that maybe as hairdressers we could learn and grow uh, within our industry to have a stronger presence with our clients is how to be soft and open yet protected. Since I feel like my theory is we all have a lot of empathetic qualities and we want to be so open and like you're saying and have this deeper connection, have this deeper relationship and you know this um, humanity aspect but being open with our clients and not being able to protect ourselves from what might come in could be a little bit heavy. Yeah, it could be scary for sure. And it can feel, it can feel dangerous. The responsibility of it can feel dangerous. Does that, I mean, does that resonate for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is the knowing this is, yeah. Yeah. And holding it for Mm -hmm. sure. This, like this piece right here is the core of the crown works processes and, and rituals and all of it. So I believe that we are, I mean, empathy as a superpower. Um, if you want to lean harder into the metaphysical impasse, if you want to leave lean any even harder, um, we can say clairsentience, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we feel the emotion. You can tell if you've got a client who doesn't like her hair color, you can tell by the way she shifts her weight in the chair. Yep. Like she doesn't even need to like, and you you call her out on it. You're like, what don't you like? She's like, I didn't say anything. You said, no, but you were thinking so loudly. Yeah. And it can um, pierce you to the core. It can. If, it you're absolutely not, can. if you don't have enough strength, you know, we could call it spiritually or emotionally strong enough. It could really wreck you. And I, I've talked to so many hairdressers who lay in bed at night, just, you know, just obsessively going back to this, oh my God, she didn't like it. What did I do wrong? I'm such a failure. I can't do balayage. Yeah. I'm going to quit. I suck. And then we get stuck in this mentality. So I, I well, think, here's, yeah, here's ahead. my opinion on that. I think that that's, that's the piece is the ownership. And when, when we receive information, um, if we judge it, then we own it. And that is the difference between empathy and sympathy. And I think most hairdressers are really good at sympathizing with people. This is why we cut our rates because so-and-so lost their job or they're having a hard month at work. And so we sympathize. We know what it's like to be down on our luck. So we cut them a deal, right? So sympathy means you're down and I'm going to go down with you and be with you at the bottom. Mm, yes. Empathy means I see you down there and I'm going to love you even though you're down there and hold a lantern at the top of this well so that you know how to get back. I love that. And I think we we confuse one with the other. And again, this is like a whole nother, it's a whole nother haircut, as I say. 
about that's okay you really... can come back on as many times as you <laughs> yeah of fine-tuning you know our intuitive gifts um because most of us i just did this whole post about like complex trauma and intuition and how most of us have experienced some sort of um most of us have experienced some sort of trauma in our life. But when you get this kind of renegade artist, entrepreneurial spirit, usually that spirit has been forged in a hot fire. And there's a lot of conversation now talking about epigenetics um, and literally like, like switches that get flipped in our DNA about being, you know, a psychologist would say hypervigilant, like hyper aware, which could look like paranoid, anxious, all of those things, or through a spiritual lens could look like being intuitive as fuck. So the only difference is whether or not you judge it to receive the information and not feel like you have to do anything about it, or that you're responsible for it is the difference between being able to sit with somebody who's lost their job, but, but not give away your haircut for free. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And to be able to hold space for somebody who may be, you know, given the opportunity to share, we talked earlier about like, you, you finally plug into somebody and it's like, there's a, there's an emotional vomit, right? We all get that and not take ownership of it. Like, great. Like, literally, let it fall on the floor. When you cut somebody's hair off, you're not going to, like, catch it all and keep it in your pocket. You're going to let it fall to the floor. (laughs) So let it fall to the floor. Mm. Just let it fall to the floor. It's not, they're not giving this information up in order to give it to you to hold or to us to hold. They're giving it to be free of it. That's it. I think that's so impactful for you to say because I think there's a lot of people probably listening right now going yes yes this is what I've been thinking this is how I've been feeling because we we do feel so much for the people that we're with that we feel like it's responsibility right we feel like it's our responsibility to make them feel better to make them feel okay and I think you told me this once that you know maybe being more accountable for the situation, but not being responsible to fix it. But we, can, right. be, but we can actively do things to comfort, to heal, but we don't have to fix. We just have to That's sit right. and hold space for them to feel what they're feeling. That's right. The best thing that we can offer, our, our opportunity, I won't say responsibility, our opportunity mm-hmm. is to be a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact about me, I grew up in a very Christian, um, household. My mother's side of the family were like full on tent revivalists, like casting them a demons, all of that. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, I can play the shit out of a tambourine. Let me tell you that. Um, but there was this whole idea about being witnessed that I remember, like when you went up to, you know, to receive your healing, um, the whole, the whole congregation would come up and stand around to hold space for you because it's like if a tree falls in the forest, right? Like it needed to be witnessed. It's like, this is me letting this go. This is me saying that this habit or this pattern or this, you know, air quotes evil that's been in my life 
that I'm declaring myself free from it. And that, for for any of your listeners that may identify with a, a Christian upbringing, that term bearing holy witness, like that's what that means. That's it. And we're doing it with our clients' emotions in the chair as a country right now. We're doing it in a large way with um, race and socioeconomic situations. Like, there's no need. There's no need to fix. You know, it's not about shame or overcompensation or fixing. This is about bearing holy witness and saying, "Yes, you're pissed or you're upset." And you have a right to be. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's the hard part, right? Then shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's all like that is bearing holy witness. So that's what do. people are really that's it. Just like let me be witnessed in in this release and this declaration of freedom. Um, and I think this is the piece in in the traditional beauty education that's happened up until now. And I really think, Kelly, that this is the time where the tide is turning, lady. Like, it is turning so fast. It is. Um, but there was this idea that, like, in education, you know, when you're teaching a class, you're asking questions, you are leading someone to the answer you want to them to arrive at. Yes? Yes. Yes. So this is how we facilitate with an agenda. What we're doing behind our chair is like unlearning all of that to be able to ask questions without leading them anywhere, without needing it to get anywhere, without needing there to be a ta-da payoff revelation at the end. Because most of the time that doesn't happen. That's actually not fucking real life. Yeah. So how can we unlearn our agenda-based education and stop asking leading questions and instead really become curious present about our, yeah, present and curious about our own lives and emotions and motivations and then honestly just sharing that curiosity. You know, you may come in to me and sit down in the chair and if we if we had a, a standard professional conversation, I'd say, hey, Kelly, and you'd say, hey, and I'd say, how are you? And you'd say, great. How are you? Great. Good. Roots today? Great. And that's it. Then we talk about us weekly, right? Yep. If you so I say, hey, Kelly, how are you? You say, great. You say, how about you? I say, kind of like it's been a rough day, you know? Like I, I feel like I've been changing my diet and stuff and I'm not sleeping very well, Um but I'm trying this new meditation practice to see if I can get to bed at night. Have you ever done box breathing? Do you know what that is? And suddenly that entire conversation changes. Still doing roots today, right? Yeah, let me mix it up and then I'll come back and I'll, I'll tell you about this box breathing thing. It's really helping me sleep. Yes, I love it. It's, it's you know, going back to the the uh, traditional way of learning how to be a professional behind the chair. You know, don't get too intimate. Don't talk about your personal life, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is opening up a whole nother way of, like you said, being, what, what did you say instead of being professional? Clean. Being clean and keeping it uh, progressive and you know, meaningful, I think would be a good word. 
conversation during the appointment because sure you still need to recommend the right things be that be their their beauty guide they're coming to you because they want to look good I mean that that's what they want but they want to feel good more than that and so how to keep that conversation in a place that is you know progressive and it's 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 meaningful and it's actually um expanding expanding each other's minds and elevating the experience but that has to start with us and that has to start with the hairdressers it has to um, start with us learning and being open to the fact that we don't have to talk about fluff all the time and it doesn't have to be so deep all the time either just that's being, right. being able to be present enough to read the situation you know some people will sit in my chair and i intuitively know they've had a horrible day because the first thing that i do and i teach this in my in my conscious hair coloring class is to be evaluating them i'm not judging i'm just observing what's their body language like what's their gaze like are they fidgety you know just starting to intuitively get into that before they even sit in your chair so you can instead of talking so much just start to listen and ask really strategic questions to get them to relax and open up and i think getting your clients into that kind of a state is going to allow for more um, open conversation like what you're talking about for sure absolutely my favorite question to ask when a client sits down is what do you need today mm-hmm And how they answer that is going to tell me a great deal. You know, they may say, oh, I just need a few highlights in my fringe. Or they may say, I need a drink and a hug. Yes. And (laughs) do you have any vodka? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that I think one of the number one things that has shifted my business um, in those those moments in connection with my clients is sitting down for the consultation with them, having a cutting stool and sitting eye to eye. And, and like exactly like you said, just taking them in, just taking them in. How are they sitting? You know, are they are they flopped over in the chair? Are they fidgety? You know, can they make eye contact with me? Are they breathing? Um, and then what do you need today? And that that question can open a lot more. Um, it's also fun, you know, I kind of make a habit, of course, you walk into my salon, and it's like crystals everywhere. So you sort of know what kind of establishment you're walking into. Um, But there are several of us that keep different kinds of decks of cards out on our stations, I have an archetype deck or a spirit animals deck. Um, My intent, those little bracelets that have the inspiration words on them make some great questions. Um, there's another deck called the deep dive deck and just to have those kind of things out, you know, setting the stage in the salon about what people are engaging in. Cause just like that phone, like the, if there's a place to escape to, we will, it's a, it's a loud, busy world out there and we all need a little bit of a break sometimes. Um, but if we, provide other options for what that break may look like, whether it's different kind of reading material in the salon or a deck of cards or a bowl of crystals is sort of my practice with just inviting exploration. 
um, that can feel playful and light and fun. It doesn't have to be deep and heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but offers a place to open further in a gentle way rather than close down or check out. I love that you say it can be playful and fun. And I think when people think about spirituality and this deeper connection, it gets a little bit like, oh my God, I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I can go there. I don't think I know enough about crystals or I don't know enough about, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so maybe they can uh, go follow your all of your information. You know, I'm actually going to link in this podcast the it's on your YouTube channel you did with two bloggers. You remember that? And you sat yeah. down with them and you and they came and they're like, oh my gosh, we're getting our hair hair done by a shaman. And and you actually kind of sat down and did the crown works ritual. Would that be the right way to say it? Yeah. yeah. With, with them so that they can kind of see what you do. And if you want to tell us a little bit about it now, about, you know, what you do with your crystal combs and how that all works. Because I think it's fascinating. I'm working on it at my salon. I love it. I love it. Um, Well, I think the whole the whole process was really just an opportunity to create a separate container. Um, As as I started to get, um, frankly, sometimes they ran me a little behind schedule, and so I found that having a, a pot for that to grow in, you know, a different container, like here's this other service that I'm doing. If you really want a deep dive, if you've got a post-graduation, a breakup haircut, you know, something significant in your life is happening that's motivating this change. Here's this other service that I have where we're really going to carve out some time to go deep with it and explore how you feel like you're being seen, how you want to be seen, and how your aesthetic choices are basically the billboard for how you're asking people to experience you. Um, so that that's really where the crown works treatment and, and ritual itself came into play. So in shamanic practices, they have a ceremony called the cutting of cords. And it really is an opportunity to have a witnessed release, you know, like we were talking about earlier in the bearing holy witness, like to really have a pronounced moment where this is me getting complete with something. Um, and this is why we have ceremony, you know, back to back to ancient tribal times. We learn through storytelling and through ritual. Um, and so to have a moment in a wedding, you know, where in one moment somebody's a single person and in the next moment they're part of something new. It's like that moment and the witnessing of that intention. And that's really what what this ceremony became about this haircut ritual um the opportunity to say this is me declaring this complete or this is me claiming a power and so we do a guided meditation we do some exploration we play with crystals and um tuning forks and singing bowls and all manner of other things uh and it can be a really gratifying and cathartic release, just like going to a chiropractor could be. But your chiropractor will tell you too, if you don't change the way you sit and sleep, you're likely gonna wake up again with that kink in your neck. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've found in working with these specific services, these deep dive services, that 
there's a need for continued like home care, the same way you would you would recommend a shampoo and conditioner for somebody. Um, and that's really where the crystal comb came in. I wanted to have an item that again, set apart this service as a specific and valid thing, just like you've got dry cutting shears, right? Mm -hmm. So here's a tool specifically for this service that I'm providing, um, that adds a legitimacy to it and a specialness to it. And then also the piece around home care. You know, we can do a full intergenerational healing and chakra clearing and, you know, all of that in the chair. And if you go home and dip right back into your patterns, your habits, your belief systems, and nothing else changes, it doesn't matter what shape I cut your hair in, you're going to slip right back into those old belief systems. Mm -hmm. So the crystal comb becomes an at-home ritual for regular maintenance, just like you would do a hair treatment once a week, you know, to keep the condition of your hair feeling great, um, to use the time that you're already spending on your beauty routine, whether it's combing out your hair at the end of the night before bed or weekly with a deep conditioning treatment and claiming that time as a place to revisit your intentions or your um, affirmations of either work that you've done or, or something that you're calling in or a change that you're trying to make in your life. That's amazing. I love it. And I have one. And I've been doing it at the salon little by little, kind of inco- I love that. incorporating it with my, with my number seven. And my clients have loved it. It's been so amazing. Um, now, I was curious... In your salon, there's quite a few stylists. Do Does everybody do this kind of work or is it, you know, some do, some don't? And how would that work for, you know, hairdressers who are in an environment where maybe they want to start incorporating this kind of work, but maybe feel a little bit timid to do it because there's so many other people around? Do you have any advice yeah. for that? I think this is a great question and it's interesting. I get, I get asked a lot why I don't work in a studio by myself um, because it would, be, it would be a more intimate experience. Um, I really felt like the same way that I wanted to offer a transmission of permission to my clients um, to be most of themselves. Um, I wanted to offer an experience an extension on the polarity of what is possible inside the salon. So it's like I wanted to stretch the end of the spectrum out so that not everybody does or has to do or even should or or would do. But because I have gone so far out with it um, into having this really deep dive work and experience available, then there's now a space for all the other stylists to to have more room to go a little bit deeper in conversation, some deeper than others. Mm-hmm. My business partner is a nutrition coach. You know, another one of my stylists um, is creating herbal tinctures and flower remedies. Another one is studying breath work. Another, like everybody has their own modality. And this really comes back to like the journey starts with you doing your own healing work. Where is there suffering or stuckness or upset in you? 
And when you find the tools that help support you in clearing that, that becomes then what heals your wound is what you have to offer. Only one in the salon that offers Reiki. I don't think that that's going to last long. I think that there are a couple that are on that path. Um, but this is their journey. And it's also another piece, again, as I shared earlier, like integration is the core of the brand. And so this isn't about it all needing to look a certain cookie cutter way. We're not dry bar. Like there's not a menu of three healing services that you can come in and get from everybody else. Like it's, it's specific. And so there's going to be somebody who's going to meet a new guest that walks into our salon wherever they are on their journey. They may only want to sort of listen in and sit quietly with a stylist who predominantly, you know, does a lot of work in sacred silence um, and kind of watch what's going on. And then, you know, there may be somebody else who wants to come in and is like, lay crystals on my body at the shampoo bowl right now. Um <laughs> uh, and just like we have a service menu, you know, we'd, we'd like not all of our stylists do men's haircuts. That's fine. Um, not all of them do keratin treatments. That's fine. Not all of them cut or color. Like everybody has their own unique skill set. And we really encourage each other um, to explore that. It's like it's all an exploration and a curiosity. And it's been really amazing. It's it's been about a year, a year and a half since it's like I really came out of the broom closet like fully. <laughs> I love um, that when you say that. That's so funny. In the like in the salon setting, you yeah. know, like to really like be like this is who we are as a salon culture. Um, you know, we are our our mantra is we focus on whole being beauty. Um, so it's not just about putting a blow dry on and that feel good feeling goes away then. But we share, we have events at our salon called Mindful Mondays once a month. Um, we have someone come in and just share a modality. Uh, whether last night we had somebody in about ritual crafting. And, you know, before that I led a breathwork meditation. And before that we've had essential oil work or numerology. And it's, it's here's an offering for you. Take what resonates for you. Um, and if it doesn't, that's okay, but we're all working on growing ourselves and whatever we discover along the way, we're going to, we're going to bring back and share with each other and our clients. I love that. I love that so much. I wish I was there. I want to come. Me too, babe. Me too. <laughs> I'm coming out to California in January, so I, we have to meet IRL oh, in real life. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. One last thing, and then I'm going to dive into a really fun part. Is there something you can share with us? Because a lot of the things that that we're, that you've been sharing are, you know, focus on you first. We have to do the work first. Is there something simple that you can share with us before we hop off to take away and use in our personal lives right now to enhance our experience um, behind the chair as hairdressers and also just to enrich our lives? Mm. breath yeah I think that breath is probably the biggest the biggest tool piece I don't even know how to say that um it's everything it I everything. think that it's everything it's that's life um yeah the tool is breath and that may look like sitting with your client and 
just taking a few slow, deep breaths with them. Um, neurologically, you know, we, we want to match each other. There's a whole branch of study called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, and if you can get your client to sort of drop in with you and set the pace, remember that you get to set the pace um, with the breath, then you're immediately going to have a richer and more connected uh, experience and consultation. Um, and that's a tool that you can use with other stylists in your team, um, with your loved ones at home to like literally just look at each other for a minute and take a couple of breaths, especially before you drop into something that may be a potentially charged conversation. Um, and then also the breath for personal clearing. You know, sometimes there are days where all of my tools and learning just don't work, can't pull it together to um, not find myself in sympathy or in upset with somebody or I get triggered. And the breath is always, always available to sort of take you back to a level uh, playing field. Um, I lock myself in the bathroom at the salon and breathe all the time. Yes. And I think that that's amazing. There's a, a really amazing nine breath method for energetic clearing. You can probably find it on YouTube. Um, and it's just like nine breaths and to try to, especially if you're escalated to try to slow them down progressively as you move through the nine uh, if you're in visualization to really take a breath into each of the chakras but inside the space of 10 breaths, your day and your level of connection can change. Awesome. That's such good advice. Did you hear that? We have to breathe. <laughs> it's such a simple thing, but it's so powerful. And once you become aware of your breathing, wow some some magical stuff is going to start happening for sure that's right that's right okay so now we are going to ask andy 20 questions i'm going to try to do it in two minutes so we can get to know a little bit more about andy you ready <laughs> i'm ready okay i feel like alec Trebe alex trebek or something i'm like <laughs> yes that is the correct answer okay all right your favorite bands right now? Um, IBI, I think that's how you say their name. The the French Colombian twins, um, Mr. Wives, Nako and Medicine for the People, and I'm really back into my Rolling Stones records. Heck yeah! What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a book about the lessons of death. <laughs> 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 it's called The Five Invitations. Um, and I'm also doing uh, a really sweet meditation practice or like a, a daily practice with my friend in New York where I'm sending her a voice memo. We're doing a year with Hafiz. So I'm sending her a poem a day from that. Oh my gosh. Yes. What does your ideal day off look like? Uh, blueberry pancakes, Rolling Stones records time to write and korean spa oh, oh yeah so good <laughs> oh my gosh yes same what do you do when your mind shifts to a negative space 
I don't, I don't know that there is such thing as a negative space. Mm. Um, I get, I get quiet and try to try to listen to see what that negativity is trying to tell me because it's asking for something. Awesome. How long have you been a hairdresser? 16 years. In one word, how would you describe the hair industry? Uh, an alchemist playground. <laughs> what is your favorite color? Uh, turquoise. What's your favorite crystal? I love a boulder opal. Um, it's got sort of a peekaboo quality to it. And it's, I mean, it looks like just a rock from some angles. And then you turn it and there's all the fire inside it. Um, so I like that. It's sort of surprising and it's got strength and softness. Favorite aroma? Magnolia. It reminds me of home. Favorite service to facilitate behind the chair? I love upstyling. Like bridal styling is really where I started in the industry. Um, and I don't know. It's like it's the most work with the least airtime. It reminds me of those like Tibetan sand mandalas. Um, so it makes it precious. Favorite food? Berries. Most used mantra? All is well. You're a poet. What's your favorite word and what does it mean? <laughs> I This is secretly what I want to know. I love words. <laughs> My favorite word right now is metacognition, um, which means thinking about thinking. <laughs> oh, yes. So meta. So meta. What fascinates you? Um, I really love this new place that's opening where science and spirituality are overlapping um, in really unexpected places like the beauty industry. What do you want to see change in the hair industry? Approval addiction. I think that would change everything. What's your message to your peers? <sighs> These are getting um, deep. Yeah. <laughs> Explore yourself and don't be afraid of what you find there. Um, I mean, share your process with with your guests, people have like, there's more value in that than you can really imagine. Um, it doesn't make you weak or wrong or unprofessional. It makes you real. And that's an integrate in order to expand. Favorite quote. Hmm. Albert Einstein said there are two ways to look at life as though nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. Who's the most influential person in your career right now? <sighs> Myself, honestly. Um, Heck yeah. I'm, I'm still exploring what's possible for her. Yeah. Who has been your most impactful mentor in the industry mm. or out of the industry? Um, in the industry, definitely Ruth Roche. Um, my working with her was spectacular, but her philosophy is like, the more you give away, the more you have. Uh, and I was so grateful for that. And that really shaped my, my whole body of work. Um, and she also, she, she's a, the kind of woman who 
watching her makes you want to be more yourself. Mm-hmm. Anybody outside the industry that's been an important mentor to you? Outside the industry that's been an important mentor to me. Either through books or reading or in person. I don't know. The first person that comes forward is Maya Angelou. Mm. Yeah. When she died, I cried for like three days. Like we had Sunday supper every week. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Maya Angelou definitely comes forward. Um, There are many. There are really many. I feel like there, I feel really, really fortunate that I have for a number of years had a round table of incredible peer coaching and, and mentor. And I think that's kind of the piece. Like I would have to, I'd have to rattle off 25 names cause it's a, it's very much a round table. And I think that's the way that leadership and mentorship is moving. It's, it's not about having a follow the leader kind of model anymore. It's about all of us walking the path together and exposing that nobody has all the answers. We're learning them together. I love that. I think that's that's kind of the secret that's going to happen through this uh, transformation in the beauty industry is oneness coming together, relying more on each other instead of, you know, the separation or, you know, seeking this one person that's going to change your life. So cool. So on that note, who else should I interview? Is there anyone that you think that I should try to get on here? Because you're my first the, one, so the, the opportunities are endless. <laughs> the first person that pops into my mind, just because she is fire, um, is this woman, Michelle Patton. Do you know her? I don't. Um, Michelle Minor Patton. She's, she's an artist with Pureology, and she is just, she's fire. She's fire. She's a woman to watch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. This was amazing. So amazing. I just want to talk to you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) We can do that. You know, we don't even have to record it. So good. Um, So I'm going to down below, put links to crownworks.net, Andy's Instagram, where you can find her uh, as promised the YouTube video, because I think you guys should definitely watch it. I thought it was so cool to see the way she actually works through her process and Thank you so much for joining us. I love you so much. This was amazing. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for for the time and for doing this, Kelly. I really acknowledge you for the bravery it takes to step out and and declare this space. You're opening a whole container that some really beautiful things are going to grow in. I think so, too. This is just the beginning. Some things are going to happen. Just the beginning. Totally. Yep. All right. We will talk to you soon. Bye, Andy. Bye, darling. Thank you so much for listening to Limitless Hairdresser. I hope that you all loved this episode with Andy and Crownworks. Make sure that if you're listening to keep this podcast going to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all of the updates and also make sure to take a screenshot of list of yourself listening on your phone and tag us on Instagram in your stories or on your page at underscore Kelly Mason underscore and at Limitless Hairdresser and make sure to tag all of our guests. So tag Andy in this one. Hope to see you guys next time. Catch you later.